When we talk about God's sovereignty, often our knee-jerk reaction is to ask the wrong questions. Is God a moral monster? What about my freedom? What about the island of angelic, perfect people trying to get their, or trying their best to get saved? But in the midst of worrying about God's sovereignty, as he has clearly revealed in his word, we often forget to ask the right question. The right question is this, why was this written? Why was this revealed? We pray every Lord's Day you have written the scriptures for our learning. But why would God make us learn about this? Why would he make us learn about his sovereignty? What changes about our day? Why would he reveal it now? Why didn't he just wait till new creation and tell us around whatever the new creation version of a bonfire is? What, what, why do we need to know this currently? And the answer is comfort. The reason God has revealed this to us right now is comfort in his sovereignty. God has revealed his sovereignty to comfort us. And that's because the truth of our text this morning is this. God's sovereignty is really good news. God's sovereignty is really good news. God's sovereignty is good news because it means his gospel is good news. God can be merciful to you without measure because nothing in all creation, not the gates of hell, Not the sea or the land or the heaven, and not even the incompetence or unwillingness of the guy up here can stop his word to you. And so no power, no force of nature, and no strength of human nature is ever going to stop and stand against the working of his word. Nothing will stop him from working his word in you according to his will. So God wills to save his own people at the time and place he chooses, And nothing will change that. That's our theme this morning. God's sovereignty is really good news. God's sovereignty is gospel good news. We've got three points. First, God's sovereignty is good news for sinners. Secondly, God's sovereignty is good news for the lost. And third, God's sovereignty is good news for pastors. God's sovereignty is good news for sinners, for the lost, and for pastors. So first, God's sovereignty is good news for sinners. The first word of our text is Yahweh telling Jonah to go preach to sinners. Arise, go to Nineveh, that great city, and call out against it, for their evil has come up before my face. The implication here is that when they're going to hear the word, they're going to repent. God's powerful word, his word at creation, his word that speaks and does, as we sang this morning, and his word of salvation, his word that never returns to him void. This word has proclaimed to Jonah, go proclaim the word. God's powerful word commands Jonah to proclaim the word to Nineveh. God's wording wording is his working, and God's wording is going to go work among the Ninevites. And that's a big deal because Nineveh is a city of people routinely violating natural law. They don't have the fullness of the law like the church, but their own consciences will accuse them on the last day because they are committing blatant atrocities. Nineveh is an Assyrian city. And when we dig up walls from the great Assyrian cities, we see artwork on the walls. And the artwork is war crimes. If I told you all the stuff they did, it would get the sermon rated R for gore and violence and probably get us kicked off Facebook. Nineveh is a city of bad people. Think carcasses at Hellgate. They're bad people who have sinned 
before God's face, Coram Deo, before the presence, before the face of God. That's a better translation of the last phrase of verse 2. Verse 2, their evil has risen before my face. As the great city sins grievously, they are doing it before the face of God. These people deserve his wrath. They've sinned in his face. And that's because as they sin against their neighbors, they are sinning against the God who made their neighbors in his image. But God is sovereign. God's sovereignty is good news for sinners because he will mercy who he wants to mercy. And so his unstoppable word is going to save the Ninevites. God's sovereignty is good news for sinners. And it's good news for sinners like Jonah. As soon as Yahweh commands Jonah, rise and go, Jonah rises to flee. The author wants us to feel the disobedience. Jonah has sinned blatantly against the command of God, and so the author uses the same first word. As as Yahweh commands a two-part command, Jonah does a two-part action. Yahweh said, rise, Jonah rises. So far, so good. But Yahweh says, go, and Jonah flees. Exact opposite. Jonah is sinning blatantly against Yahweh's revealed word. He's not just sinning against nature like the heathen Ninevites. He's sinning against the revealed word of God, the word of Yahweh. And Jonah sins in Yahweh's face. The wickedness of the Ninevites is in Yahweh's face, but so is Jonah's, and that's why he's fleeing. Jonah's sinning also by trying to flee from Yahweh's presence. We get that twice in verse 3. It starts out, Jonah tries to flee from the face of Yahweh. He got to Joppa, he found a ship, he headed to Tarshish to try to flee from Yahweh's presence. Jonah sins against the word of God. He knows he's sinned blatantly against the word of God. He knows what he's doing, and he knows he's sinning before the face of God. So he tries to flee the face of God. And Jonah is really a picture of Israel here. Israel, in in covenant history, the place we're at, Israel has all the revealed will of Yahweh. It's clearly in front of them in the law. It's bound on their hands, it's nailed on their doorposts, it's like a frontlet between their eyes. And some people these days still trying to keep the ceremonial law take that part literally. So you see guys with a big old block on their forehead, it's got a rolled up Torah, I assume it causes neck problems. But the point is that the Hebrews had more of the revealed will of God than anybody else. And yet, what have they done with it? They are hardened. To them belong the oracles of God, says Paul. And yet they turn away, they disobey, and they pretend Yahweh won't see it. They're doing what Jonah did. But Yahweh is merciful and gracious to his people. What he's teaching us through Jonah is that even though his people have made themselves more guilty than the Ninevites... By breaking the revealed law, God will have mercy on them because he wants to. He wants to, he's sovereign, and that means he'll do it. He has mercy on them because he's sovereign. He has mercy on them despite their own best efforts. He has mercy on them even though all they have done with his revealed word is found more ways to sin. And that's because he's the God who's in control. Nothing surprises him. No one outmaneuvers him, and nothing in all creation is bigger or stronger 
than his almighty power to save. God's sovereignty is really good news for sinners. And praise God. God's gospel is as powerful as God is. If Jonah were left to himself, he'd be using his free will not just to damn himself, but to damn an entire country. Spiritual genocide. But God is sovereign. He's powerful over all his creatures because he made them. And he won't let Jonah's unwillingness to preach stop the word, the powerful word, from going forth. The heaven is God's heaven. The earth is God's earth. The sea is his because he made it. And Jonah belongs to God. And so Jonah is his. Jonah is part of the nothing. Jonah is part of the nothing in all creation that can stop the power of God's gospel. God's sovereignty is good news for sinners. If mission boards and pastors got to determine who's too vile, too sinful, and too beyond hope of reaching, then I wouldn't be in your pulpit. Because the first missionary to my folks' home country got eaten. We ate the first missionary that got to us. They killed him, they cooked him, and they ate him. But God is sovereign, and that means that even though all human forces would conspire against it, his gospel goes to Jerusalem, to Judea, to Samaria, to the ends of the earth, and to the lowlands of Europe. And it is going to go to the Ninevites, whether, whether Jonah wants it or not. God's sovereignty is good news for sinners. And it's good news for sinners because his love for you is a love that will not let you go. It didn't let Jonah go and it won't let you go. When you run from him, his goodness and mercy hunt you down. Despite your own best efforts, despite your own sinful, stubborn nature rising against you every day, God is sovereign. And he rides the clouds to help you, the clouds he owns. And he will never leave you to yourself, no matter what your sins deserve, because you belong to him. God's sovereignty is good news for sinners. But turning the angle slightly, not only is God's sovereignty good news for sinners, it's good news for the lost. God's sovereignty is good news for the lost, because our salvation is not based on human will or exertion. It is based on the almighty mercy of God. God's sovereignty is good news for the lost. Take a look at these sailors. These sailors have been the most pious bunch in this story. They consistently try to do the right thing. They, they, they throw cargo away to preserve human life. Do you know how awesome that is? That they're, they're obeying natural law. They know that human life is more precious than this stuff. That's that's obedience to nature. The sailors recognize that they need to pray to some god. So they, they don't know which one, but they're very sincere. The sailors try hard with their piety. If we were saved by our efforts to climb into heaven, these sailors would have arrived. Their first response in trouble is the prayer closet. They are trying their best to reach up to be everything they were made for. They're trying their best to love whatever God is out there and fully enjoy him. Each man prayed to his own God, says verse 5. In fact, they're so pious that they wake up Jonah to make sure they haven't missed any gods. These sailors are lost people trying their best to be found. They know their sin and misery. They know they're probably guilty. They decide to cast lots specifically because they have a vague notion of sin. Let us cast lots that we may know on whose account this evil has come upon us. 
And even after Jonah tells them how to save themselves, they don't want to do it because they don't want to be guilty before God of murder. These are a pious bunch. These men have been more pious than Jonah, and their piety is filthy rags. But God is sovereign. Their piety won't save them, but preaching will, and he is sending his preacher. What their piety cannot do, God does by the power of his word. These sailors know their sin and misery because the Holy Spirit has already been pricking their consciences. But in the time and place of his choosing, Yahweh words them. He preaches to them with his preacher. Verses 9 through 10. He said to them, I am a Hebrew, and I fear the Lord, the God of heaven, who made the sea and the dry land. And then the men were exceedingly afraid and said to him, What is this you have done? For the men knew that he was fleeing from the presence of the Lord, because he had told them. God's sovereignty is good news for the lost, because he will find them. He pursues them no matter how improbably. Think about this. These people had no idea who Jonah is. Who are you? Where are you from? What's your occupation? They've never heard of Jonah or his God. And yet now in the middle of nowhere and out of nowhere, Yahweh's prophet is on their ship declaring the word to them. And they hear and believe it. They know it is true. They assent to the fact that it's true. They agree that it's true. And they trust that it is true for them. God's sovereignty is good news for the lost because his wording comes exactly when he wants it to work. And God's word is never late, nor is it early. He arrives precisely when he means to. See, Jonah sinned by trying to flee from the presence of Yahweh. Jonah sinned by trying to flee from the God who made the heaven and the earth and the sea by going to sea. But all Jonah really did was land exactly where God meant him to land. In the time and place, God wanted him to give his word to these sailors. God is sovereign even over sin, and that means God's sovereignty is good news for pastors and for the lost. And, and so even Jonah's sin can only accomplish what God wants. It can only bring the powerful word to even more people. God's sovereignty is good news for the lost. It is good news for sinners. And it is good news, point three, for pastors. God's sovereignty is good news for pastors. Charles Spurgeon made the practice of saying to himself as he walked up the pulpit stairs, I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Lord and giver of life. And the reason he did that, the reason he made a practice of saying over and over as he walked every Sunday up to preach, I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Lord and giver of life, the reason he did that is because God's sovereignty is good news for pastors. The effectiveness of Christian ministry has nothing to do with us, and it has everything to do with the powerful word and the goodness of God Almighty. Our own sins, our own weaknesses, our own failings and shortcomings cannot stop God's powerful word from working in you, from going forth to save sinners, because God is sovereign over Christian ministry. It's like that quote we've looked at so many times from Luther. The Word did it all. All I did was eat and sleep and drink good Wittenberg beer with my Philip, and the Word worked so powerfully nothing could stand against it. God's sovereignty is good news for pastors. 
because it means God's power doesn't depend on us. His power is in the word that he entrusts to his pastors, and it's a word that works even in sinful mouths. Jonah's entire ministry to these sailors has been marred with sin. It has been undermined by his shortcomings and his failures. Jonah's testimony has been tainted from the minute he stepped on this ship. Think about this. These sailors are hearing about the God who made the heaven and the earth and the sea from a guy who's been acting since verse 3 like the sea can hide him. This is a bad witness. Jonah's piety is flawed. Jonah's life and witness have been horribly compromised every minute he's been with these sailors. And the horrible example Jonah sets leads to some bad temporal consequences. See, Jonah set the example of disobeying the word of the Lord, not trusting it. He set the example of disobeying Yahweh. He heard rise and go and he rose and fled. And now his horrible example has led the sailors astray. Verse 13. Nevertheless, the men rode hard to get back to dry land, but they could not, for the sea grew more and more tempestuous against them. The sailors are just following Jonah's example. They're doing what he did. They heard a command and they disobeyed it. Yahweh's told them to, ju- to chuck Jonah off the side of the ship, as the kids say, to yeet him, and instead they row harder to get him ashore. They are disobeying God's word like they have seen Jonah disobey. And they've gotten the same result. God sends the sea against them harder. Jonah's ministry should be a failure. This is the example he's set. This is the witness he's given. But even though Jonah's ministry should be a failure, God is sovereign over Christian ministry. God's sovereignty is good news for pastors. He does not deal with our ministry like our sins deserve. God's sovereignty is good news for pastors because he's using the imperfect ministry of imperfect ministers, of an imperfect minister, to lead these sailors to faith. Verse 13 is not the end of the story. Verse 14, they called out to Yahweh, Yahweh, let us not perish for this man's life and lay not on us innocent blood for you, O Yahweh, have done what has pleased you. Jonah's imperfect ministry has led his sailors to imperfect faith, saving faith in a perfect savior. Because they're not praying each man to his own God anymore. They're calling on the name of Yahweh. They're crying out on the covenant name of God above in reverence and fear. They feared greatly. And after they chuck Jonah overboard, they pray to Yahweh. They make sacrifices to Yahweh. Because they've been brought into relationship with the covenant Lord of the universe. And the covenant Lord of his people. By the flawed ministry of a sinful prophet, God has worked faith through his word. God's sovereignty is good news for pastors. We don't hear any more about these sailors. They sail off into the sunset. They're not part of the story anymore. But you and I will talk to them and and see them in new creation because they have called on the name of the Lord. They've called in fear and reverence and saving faith because God is sovereign over imperfect ministry. Yahweh sent Jonah to these men in his timing, and through Jonah, he sent his word to them. And now, this seemingly random ship from 
some town on the coast has a crew of God-fearers. But it's a crew of God-fearers who have belonged to Yahweh from eternity. God's sovereignty is good news for pastors. And so the question again is, why would God teach us about sovereignty, His sovereignty? The answer is comfort. We have comfort in the good news of His unstoppable power to save sinners by the working of His Word in the time and place He chooses. And then again, what what changes about our day by knowing about His sovereignty? Everything. Because the sovereignty of God means we have the privilege of living every day before His face in the knowledge that we belong to Him and nothing can separate us from His love. We live every day in the face and presence of the Almighty God of all creation who cares for us. And in Christ, by the power of his word, he has brought you into communion with himself and he has promised you everlasting life. And nothing in all creation can stop his love and word to you. And everything in all creation is for your good and his glory. His power and word are what first opened your ears and softened your heart to hear the gospel at the time and place he wanted, and that same power and word will bring you without fail into resurrection, to everlasting rest with him in new creation, and nothing is going to stop it. So God's sovereignty is good news. God's sovereignty is comfort. And God's sovereignty is rest for your soul. Amen. At Covenant Reformed Church in Missoula, Montana, we sincerely believe God's Word and faithfully teach it. We invite you to worship with us on Sundays. For more information, please visit MissoulaURC.com. That's MissoulaURC.com.